I often ask myself, what do we as Christians have that is so good that it's a shame that the world has to live without it? The answer, I believe, is the good news about Jesus, and that is worth sharing. This is Adam Hill, minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ, and I pray that today's message shares that good news and that you are richly blessed by it. Good morning, church. You may be seated. I know. Can't, can't be that predictable. Don't worry, you'll get to stand soon. But I want to start by asking you a question. And it's a, it's not, I want, I want you to fill in the blank on a sentence for me, okay? And I want you to actually think about it and fill in the blank. And here's, here's the sentence that I want you to be able to finish. My life would have more significance if, and then fill in the blank. My life would have more significance if, now I know we're in church. And that immediately makes you think, I want you to write something churchy. I need you to write something like, if I prayed more or read my Bible more. Those are fine answers. But I also would like you to be honest and say what is really going on. My life would have more significance if I had more money. My life would have more significance if we were out of debt. My life would have more significance if I got the promotion or the recognition I deserve. My life would have more significance if I were married. My life would have more significance if I got accepted into that school that I want to be accepted into. My life would have more, accept, more, more significance if I had kids, if I had grandkids. My life would have more significance if I had my retirement figured out. I want you to think about what your real answer would be. My life would have more significance if. See, here's the deal. None of those things are bad things. Okay, I need you to know everything on that list that I just gave you, none of them were bad things. Now, you know this is coming. None of those things are ultimately what you were created for. But like Kenny talked about, sometimes we can get ourselves off track to the point that we need to remind ourselves what we're created for. And so as we continue our Created For series today, we're going to take a closer look at the purpose our Creator has given us. And I hope you learn today that you have been made for influence. You have been made for influence now. If you are willing and able, we honor God by standing during the reading of God's Word. You may stand as we read from Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, 
so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Heavenly Father, you are our maker, and you have made us with a purpose in mind. I pray, God, that we can find significance in our lives by living into the purpose you have made us for. Father, I pray that we can learn to live in the blessings you have given us to live from those blessings. God, you have called us for a life of influence, and I pray that we can pursue that. Bless us today. Speak, Father, for your children are listening. In Christ's holy name we pray, and the whole church says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as you know, Genesis 1 is the first chapter of the Bible, and it's the creation narrative. It's actually a song. Um, it, 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 it is a song, and in the song, it says God made everything. That's the summary of the song. And having made everything else, God comes to the, the, the final thing that is made on day six, and, and, and it's the crowning achievement of all creation, and God creates humanity in his own image. Male and female, he created them. Now, there are a number of creation accounts from various cultures in the ancient Near East, and they usually work like this. God or the gods <clears throat> get tired or they get bored. But they've got creation, and so there's all this stuff to do down here, but they don't want to waste their time doing all the stuff. So they make some slaves, humans. And humans have the task of doing all the things that the gods don't want to waste their time doing. That kind of thinking is nowhere in Genesis. That is not why God creates humanity in the book of Genesis. God creates out of self-giving love. Okay, I think of it like this. And I, I, Kelly and I uh, were married over eight years before we had Cooper. All right, so we got married real young. Really young. I'm ready to, ready to scare this row right here, my, my, my teens. <clears throat> I was 19 and she was 18. All right. Yeah. So, my son is 16, so I'm like, three years, got it. I'm kidding. That's, we, we don't let people do that anymore, pretty much. We're like, ooh, think about that. Okay, but now here we are 25 years later, things are working out. Um, but 
19 and 18, we didn't rush into having kids. We waited eight years. Well, what were we doing? Don't you know that in order to be a real adult, you have to do two things. Get married and have kids. That's what we tell people. For some reason, we communicate that message. That's, none of that's true but about being a real adult. But we convince ourselves. That's what it takes. So we got married, but we didn't have kids. We waited eight years to have Cooper. Why? Well, because we loved us. We were happy. We were getting to know each other. We were super young, so we had plenty of time. So we told ourselves. So why did you have Cooper after eight years? Well, I can tell you this. We didn't have Cooper because we were bored. We didn't have Cooper because we were looking for something to focus our energy on. We did not have Cooper because we were trying to salvage some reason for being together. We didn't have Cooper because we had nothing else to do. We didn't have Cooper to prove we were real adults. We had Cooper because we loved one another so much that we wanted someone to share that love with. And in a way, that's how God created. That the Father, Son, and the Spirit were so full of love that they create not because there's nothing else to do. Certainly not because if they didn't God didn't need to create anything in order to really be God. God wasn't lonely or bored. And certainly not because God had work that God did not want to do. But because of God's great love and the desire to give that love away, God creates humanity in His own image. And we saw last week that being created in the image of God gives us dignity and worth. It gives us dignity, responsibility, capacity. And I want to talk more about this responsibility and capacity today. It gives us influence. We were created for influence. Now, influence is the ability to affect the character, development, and behavior of someone or something. And today I have two major points that I want to say about God creating us for influence. The first one is this. Your influence starts with those who are closest to you. Okay? God made you for influence, and your influence starts with those closest to you. Okay, when, when your Bible says that, that your support, God says, I want you to fill the earth, right? God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Filling the earth is not simply a command to have more babies. Okay, rather fill the earth means that humanity was created to make families, Neighborhoods, communities, churches, clubs, organizations, 
to make the relationships that create culture that lives out this radical dignity that God has given all of us. God says that the whole meaning of discipleship is about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and about loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus repeats this, then takes it a step further by saying, love your enemies. Influence is carried out by sharing love with those around you. Do you know the people around you? All right, I'm going to do a really dangerous thing here. I want you to just take a minute and look around. Hopefully, you know some of the people around you. All right. Okay, not just this room though. You're created to have influence. It starts with those people who are closest to you. Are you ready for this? Do you know the people around you? Do you know the name of the barista who makes your coffee in the morning? All right, some of you are like, I passed the test. Yes, I'm proud of you. Some of you are like, I got to learn that guy's name. All right. Do you know the names of your neighbors? I mean it. I mean it. And I don't mean yellow Jeep, yellow Jeep guy. That's not a name. I mean an actual name. Like, like, like we got, oh man, we got some neighbors. I'll tell you that. I'm going to save my comments. You're welcome. And be proud of me. I'm talking to my wife here for a second. I can filter. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. She says I don't listen. I hear that every time. Anyway, um, kidding. All right, so um, do you know the names of your coworkers? Just the people in the office next to you, even, or the cubicle near you? All right. Do you know the names of your kids' teachers? Hmm. All the the homeschool parents are like, yes. (laughs) Sure do. Got it. All right, I don't want to leave y'all out. Do you know the names of your parents' friends? Adam. Adam. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. (laughs) Very good. You see, here's the deal. Why am I, why, here's the, man, the truth is that I meet a lot of Christians who say they want to do something big for God, but who are not willing to do something small for God. God is telling us, I have put a ton of people right in front of you, and you're not doing enough with them for me to trust you with something big. You were created for influence, and your influence starts with those who are closest to you. Now, I want to show you a baseball player that some of you will recognize, Stan Musial. Stan the man. All right, Stan Musial was a great baseball player, and that hurts me to say it. Dave, do you know why it hurts me to bring up Stan Musial? 
That's right, because he plays for the St. Louis Cardinals, and I'm a Cubs fan. It's hard to say something positive about the St. Louis Cardinals when you're a Cubs fan. But I'm telling you, Stan Musial is an interesting guy. He was, he, okay, he didn't have the batting average that, that, that some of the names, you know, like we know Mickey Mantle, we know Willie Mays, we know Hank Aaron, we know those names. He played with all of them. What we know is he was really good too. But get this. When they asked Mickey Mantle about who was best, he said, Stan Musial's the best. He's, and they said, wait, 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 better than you? And Mickey Mantle said, yes, Stan Musial's a better player than me. Let me tell you why Stan Musial's a better player than me. Stan Musial is a better player than me because he's a better person than me. He said, Stan Musial is a better player than me because he's a better man than me. Bob Costas was interviewing Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, two greats. And he was interviewing them about the integration of baseball. And so here are these two very famous African-American players, and he's asking them about it. And he says, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting time because the locker room had been integrated technically, but there was still a very quiet separation in the locker room, that all the white players would be on one side and all the black players would be on the other side, but there was no, at least there was no major fighting going on, but that's what was going on. But one day, they remembered a story where the white players were on one side, the black players were on another, and the black players were playing a game of cards. And he says, we both remember Stan Musial walking over and saying, Deal me in. That was it. Deal me in. And they both remembered that moment and told Bob Costas that was one of the most important moments that we experienced because it was a white player coming over to us and saying, I want to be with you. Deal me in. And the, they pointed up the influence that that had in the locker room among other players to bring them more and more together. That's, that's who Stan Musial was. And so my question is, where are the places in your life where you need to walk into and say, deal me in? What people are around you that you could approach and say, deal me in? And I'm going to encourage you, start with the people right around you. Your influence starts with those who are closest to you. That living out the good news of the gospel, recognizing that you were created with influence that can affect others around you. The second thing I want to tell you about influence today is that your influence was meant to make the world a better place. You start by influencing those closest around you. Second, your influence is meant to make the world a better place. He says in verse 28, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. We discussed briefly last week, but I want to say more about this in this context. Subdue the earth and rule over it. Okay? That doesn't mean abuse the earth and use it however you want. 
Because we talked about this, that sometimes people have looked at creation, they've kind of made it human-centered, and so humans are the ultimate thing. We get to do with it whatever we want. Some people have looked at it and they've gone the other direction, nature-centered, and they've said, no, humans are a plague on the earth. The world would be better without us. I'm telling you, I want you to see it God-centered and say, whatever we're here to do, we're here to honor God with it. And so what we've been given, we're stewards of it, not the owners of it. Okay, that creation ultimately belongs to God. And so what I said to you at that time, and I don't know that I, I, I really made it clear enough, Patty, I said, I said that, that, that we are, that, that God made creation, but creation is incomplete. And here's what I mean by that, that as those who bear the image of God, we were created to pick up where God left off. You see, you see, here's... Mm, preach, preacher, here we go. Brad, this is, this is what I learned. I learned that God didn't make tables, but God made trees. Mm. I don't, yeah, I don't know that they heard me, so I'm going to say it again. God didn't make tables. God made trees. Now, what are, what are we supposed to do? Make tables. We're a lot better at building fences. Man, preach. All right. I learned this. God didn't make salad. But Beth, God made vegetables. We can make salad and then invite someone to sit at the table we made, have some salad with us, and all of a sudden, we are picking up where God left off. You see, we are helping in creation. We were created for influence, and this is how that happens. God has been generous to humanity. And we are called to be generous and make the world a better place using what God has given us. You need to know that God created you with skills and surrounded you with resources to make this world a better place. Most of the time, though, we judge ourselves by what we don't have. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough skill. I don't have enough time. Rather than think about what you don't have, what if you ask God, what am I supposed to do with what I do have? Too many people pursue affluence, thinking that it will give them influence. Those are not the same thing. Affluence can put you in a nice neighborhood. Influence can help you change your neighborhood. Those are not the same thing. Stop confusing them. We need to learn how to move on from pursuing success to pursuing significance instead. Don't pray to be famous. Pray to be faithful. Now I'm preaching to myself. Because you see... 
I went to college not wanting to be a preacher is one thing I didn't want to be. So God called me to be a preacher. And God has blessed me. I'm, I'm thankful to be a preacher now. And, and, and so I, I'm trying to do this, but I can tell you this. I, I, once I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to answer the call. I'm going to be a preacher. I thought to myself, I want to be as good as I can be. I want to do the best I can do. And I want to I change the world. I want to be the next Billy Graham. I want, I want to change the world. Like, I'm all in, God. You called me. Let's do this. Let's go. And there would be these lists that would come out, Kenny. I don't know if, you, I don't know if they have these lists in every company. I know they do have these. But they, they would come out with lists like 30 leaders under 30 that you, that you need to know. Who's who under 40 that you need to know? Well, I'll tell you what. I wasn't on the list for 30 leaders under 30. And I was like, hey, y'all forgot me because I'm out here killing it. Don't worry, I'll make that who's who list for under 40. I got to 40 and guess what? I wasn't under 40 anymore, but I was never on that list. God, what are we doing here? I'm... I'm giving everything I can. I know we're doing good work, so where's the recognition? Where's... And he says, you're almost there. Go ahead and finish the sentence. Where's, where's the influence? And he says, see, the problem is this whole time, even though you've been serving me, you've also been serving yourself. You've wanted to be famous, but I don't need you to ask yourself, how can I be famous? I need you to ask yourself, how can I be faithful? I need you to think, rather than how can I be super successful, I need you to ask yourself, how can I be effective? How can I use what God has given me and the place that God has put me to best honor God and have the most influence there? Make your goal honoring God with every decision, especially the little ones. I heard a pastor say this, and it, it messed me up. And so I'm going to say it to you and hope that you think I made it up. <laughs> he, he said, when you were born, you were born looking like your parents. When you die, you die looking like your decisions. You have been given everything you need. How will you use it to make the world a better place? And are you willing to start with those who are closest to you? I want to finish today by, by reading you a quote from a book called Garden City by John Mark Comer. If you haven't read it, I would strongly suggest that. I've put it up there, so it's a long quote, but that's why I'm putting it in front of you. I want you to be able to see it and think about it. Uh, that, that John Mark Comer says this. He says, you are a modern day Adam and Eve. This world is what's left of the garden. Your job is to take all the raw materials that are spread out in front of you, to work it, to take care of it, to subdue, to wrestle, to fight, to explore, and to take the creation project forward as an act of service and worship to the God who made you. 
when you recognize the image of God in you, you can't help but understand that God made you for influence. And so we need to stop, catch our breath, and take inventory. first question I want you to ask as you take inventory, and, and, and I almost want to tell you to take out your phone or take out a piece of paper and, and actually type this into your little notes so that you can answer these questions when you have a little time to really sit and think, okay? The first question that I want you to ask is, is who has God placed in my life? And if it helps, break them into categories. These are my neighbors. These are my friends. These are my coworkers. These are my enemies. This is, this is my family. There may be some overlap. Make a Venn diagram. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but that first question, who has God placed in my life? Second question, what resources has God given me? What resources has God given me? There's obviously the ones like time. Okay, you can't change that one other than how you use it. You can't add a day. You can't save up and bank time and then use it tomorrow. Like, like, time is, an, is a limited resource. But I want you to think, you may think of money as a resource. That's fine. That is, that's good. It is. But I also want you to take some time to evaluate what are the skills that God has given me. What are my gifts? And I am, I am tired of hearing Christians say, I don't have any. That's not true. You just don't like the ones you have. Write those down. All right. I, I am telling the truth. They did, you, we, we, we went, no, I want the other ones. No. God has given you certain skills, certain gifts. Write down your, take an inventory of your resources. Take that inventory because that's your starting point. If you don't know where to start having influence, ask, who are the people God has put closest to me? What are the resources I have? And then pray to God, how can I use these things to have the influence you have made me to have? Kenny, I want to invite your team up. And I want to close by letting you hear John chapter 1 and verse 14 from the Message translation. It says, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Isn't that something? I love the way it says Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He, he, he took on flesh and dwelt among us. All right, he moved into the neighborhood. He, he came and said, deal me in. Here at Rochester Church, we have a mission. Here's how we say it. We say loving our neighbor is what we do, and loving God is why we do it. You were created to have an influence. How are you using the influence God has given you to live out God's mission? You were made with a purpose, and that purpose is to influence people. The people you come to meet, the people you know, the people, people all around you. And your goal 
is to get them to know how much God loves them by experiencing the way that you love them. To get them to see how much God cares for them by experiencing the way you care for them. You're his ambassador, Paul says. And hopefully they can come to know and submit their lives to Jesus. That's the influence you can have. Are you ready to live into that? If you have yet to meet Jesus, to come to know Him, and to submit your own life to Him, I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to submit your life to Christ in baptism so that you too can be filled with His Spirit, forgiven and set free from your past so that your present and your future can be redeemed into something that can honor God by spreading the influence of Christ everywhere you go. If you don't know Him yet, please respond. Let's stand and sing God's praise. A quick confession here. Truth be told, as I preach, I'm often preaching at myself. I'm saying what I need to be reminded of. Thankfully, my struggles and questions are not just mine. It turns out that being human brings some pretty universal challenges to all of us. I am so thankful for the good news of Jesus Christ. It has never let me down. I pray that today's message blessed you with the good news. Remember, you are loved and chosen.